welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. The one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome again to this episode of Demand Gen Radio. Thank you, Paul, for the introduction. Today on the program, I have Doug Buescher, who is the CEO of LeadSpace. And before I get going with Doug, I want to just give you a little bit of background on how I got to know LeadSpace. Uh, I don't know, six, seven, maybe even eight years ago. It was a long time. But LeadSpace was founded out of Israel. And uh, when they were coming here to the United States doing some visits, they reached out to me and said, hey, we want to show you our marketing technology. And as you guys probably know, I look at lots of marketing technology every week. When I saw their application and how it was originally set up, I knew at that time that I was looking at the future because I really hadn't seen any AI or predictive technology at that time. You know, the the topic or in the category wasn't even really being talked about. But I took a look at the application and immediately saw the benefits that you could bring to lead scoring models that we were doing for our clients, as well as just helping companies fill the funnel with the right targets. So got very involved with the business. And then not too long after that, and they moved headquarters to the United States, Doug came aboard and took the role as CEO. So Doug, welcome to the program. I just want to give that context because, as you know, I've done uh, episodes in the past are, you know, yesterday's CMOs or today's CMOs, tomorrow's CEOs. And you fill the bill with that. You were CMO at Skype and you were CMO at Salesforce.com. And here you are as CEO of LeadSpace. How's it going? Dave, thanks for the introduction. And uh, yeah, so it's going... uh very, very well at the moment. Uh, it's interesting times in our industry as I think, you know, some of the uh, conversation that we had with you six or seven years ago, as you alluded to, is really top of mind for so many people these days. This whole way that people think about, you know, what is collectively called AI, big data, analytics, predictive analytics, how it's changing so many different areas of our life. And uh, I think we're super excited in terms of you know, how that's changing B2B marketing, obviously one key component, but it's uh, obviously a very hot space at the moment, very interesting space to be, and uh, we're pretty excited about what we're doing for lots of our customers as well. Cool. Well, thanks for joining on the program. Let's jump into things. My daughters, Doug, are actually in town this week, which was an incredible treat. They arrived yesterday. Both of them are studying marketing in college, and they're preparing for, you know, their journey. And I'm thinking, why don't we start off as both of us as CEOs, having run marketing for years, what's the advice that we would give to our former selves, to to the youth of today or people that are in the marketing technology segment today of of what we learned? Any good advice you have? I mean, there's lots of good advice. What would you you share? It's interesting that you sort of start with that. And funnily enough, you know, I did physics as a degree back in the day in the UK. And when I came out of college, You know, I did a very simple analysis, which is what are the kinds of roles that will create that stepping stone to being a CEO? For some reason, in early days, I wanted to run a company. And back, you know, this shows our age, I guess, that was back in the late 80s. Absolutely, brand management was one of those traditional career paths that ended you up in that sort of leadership role. What's interesting, I think, is like over the last decade or two we've seen a bit of a change and in fact in a funny way i think product was very much the 
you know, topic du jour for a while when, you know, technology was really sort of taking off. But I think we're actually seeing a um, heyday again for being a marketeer. I think that discipline is absolutely critical for most people in the C-suite and a, a lot of CEOs are sort of taking on that. And I think it really comes back to the kind of core fundamental that as technology becomes easier to build, easier to deploy, you know, there's a cloud service for everything if you want to build, you know, a bit of call center technology, you can use Twilio, if you want to scale your operations, you can use AWS. But at the end of the day, it still comes back to that fact, if you don't understand your customer, if you can't really figure out what it is they want, then what you're just doing is throwing things against the wall. So, so that core skill, which I think a lot of people talk about product marketing, being the ability to create that product market fit and really understand your customer and push in the right direction. I think that's more important today than ever before. And so, you know, I think making sure that your daughters in this case, and just generally as we're marketeers, we continue to remember that's the core of what we do. I think, you know, bodes very well, both personally for our own career development and more importantly for the role of marketing in business. I, I would say add on to that, that if product marketing and knowing product knowledge is key, it makes great sense to also say that if you're going to go into marketing at a company, be passionate about their products and the space that they're in. Because if you're not really just passionate, to use that word again, about what that company does and what the product does, I think it's a it's a bit of a challenge. And the, the companies that I've enjoyed my career the most is where I absolutely have that passion. You know, you, you were CMO of Skype, something I don't know, Doug, if we've ever even talked about, but in 1999, I did a startup with uh, four other guys and we created voice chat system long before Skype uh, for video yeah, gamers. Yeah. And I was a hardcore video gamer as a kid and I loved video gaming. So people could always tell my passion for the product and the SDKs and the other technology that we built in that company. I mean, A, I was a founder, but B, I just had a huge fondness for the space. The other thing I'll share, Doug, is that, you know, I believe total transparency. When I was promoted in the 1990s from running channels and distribution to become the director of marketing for Netopia, it actually was called Fairland at the time. I did not deserve that job in terms of my marketing resume, if you will. I came from sales. I had been running regions and sure, I had been doing business development and then the channel marketing stuff. But the primary reason that I was promoted was because I had such tremendous product knowledge for the company's products and services. And that was really a gap in marketing. So there was a lot of people who weren't too happy about me getting that promotion in the marketing department that thought that opportunity would be theirs. But uh, um, it's great, great advice. And as I look back on my career, I can see where certainly benefit from that. It's a great point. I mean, I think one of the other things that's interesting, and I see this with a lot of my, I mean, I've worked in, as you say, you know, at Salesforce, a very tr I wouldn't say traditional, but classic B2B marketeer, Skype at the other end, uh, a phenomenal B2C marketeer. And it's very easy sometimes for marketeers to get passionate about the B2C world, right? That we all think about Uber or Eat24 or these products because it's so easy for us to understand them viscerally from our gut as consumers. I think one of the other interesting challenges for marketeers, which is, if you can get this right, it's huge, is the ability not just to think about it from a sort of B2C perspective, which is quite easy, but to do that same transformational nature for what it means from a B2B. You know, just to lay that in the Skype terms, on the one hand, yes, I was doing a lot of the work to 
we grew Skype at the size of a city of Tokyo every 20 days. That's millions and millions of people being added to the platform. It was, you know, when I left, I think about 750 million users. So, you know, huge scale and everyone relates to it for their own reasons. But then we were also working on the B2B use case. How do you transform an organization and take a large organization like Coca-Cola where you know everyone's using Skype for their day-to-day work. Well, that's a different kind of transformation, and you need to understand the business context. And I think those great marketeers can bring that passion, but also translate that into a, a business-to-business context. So it's a great challenge for us all. It is the golden age of marketing, and there is a lot for us to do and learn new skills, new capabilities, especially around MarTech. But just fundamentally, that recommendation of get your product marketing and product knowledge up so that you can be more effective and no matter what your role is in marketing, certainly make you a better role. Let's go to something that's a little bit more right in your wheelhouse, something that you're dealing with every day as you build and grow the company. And by the way, congratulations on LeadSpace success. You guys are now, next year, I guess, going to be approaching 200 customers, crossing well over the 100 customer mark. And that, you know, I think that's always important in MarTech because, you know, it's not just an idea, right? When there's hundreds of companies using your product, it's providing value. And proud to be a partner of yours, Doug, as, as well as a client. We certainly recommend and prescribe you guys to uh, many of our clients. I want to ask you, though, the question about analytics, because having been a CMO yourself and seeing where we are today in this golden age of marketing, what do you think CMOs, not marketing ops, but what do you think CMOs need to know about analytics? Dave, that's a great question, and it is a very complicated question. I think, you know, I've seen this. I mean, you talked about my previous roles, but I was also McKinsey back in the day as well when we were still trying to figure out whether email was a big deal or not. And I think what we've seen is a pendulum that swings on the analytics side. So a long time ago when we were doing traditional offline advertising, then we really had very few metrics to work off. You know, you could just do Nielsen ratings or typically you just sort of figure out what other people you knew were working, uh, were watching on TV. And I think we swung as the amount of data that has come out of all the systems. You know, we aggregate a ton of data based on first-party systems as well as you know, third-party systems and ad data and intent data and all these different data sets. And there's a risk in doing all of that that you can kind of really lose the you know, wood for the trees in a sense. You get so much noise that you can't actually figure out what does it all mean. Um, and so you can kind of get into this analysis paralysis kind of situation. And then because all marketeers have been told as they grow up in a sense and taught that the main goal is just to measure everything and thrown into a very noisy world where in fact precision is tricky, we can get into a situation where people obsess about measure, measure, measure. And sometimes I think people lose sight of the bigger picture, which is at the end of the day, one simple question. What decision are we trying to make? And does the analysis help us make a better decision? I'll give you one sort of comment. Mm-hmm. At Skype, uh, one of the things that kicked off actually back in the day, if you remember this Skype success, was we actually featured it a lot in the Oprah Winfrey show. And then we sort of tried to say, well, you know, we had that came up for a renewal discussion and we were like, should we continue to participate or not? These are things that are incredibly hard to measure, but you could do some rough analysis, you know, with how many people you thought saw it and what percentage of people were influenced by it and make some ballpark decisions about whether it was a good or a bad idea. But we could have spent our time trying to 
measure that, to optimize that, and spent six to a month to a year trying to, to really figure it out at the end level of detail, but it wouldn't have helped us make a better decision. So I think there's a, there's a real balance here between how do we make good decisions with the increasingly large amount of data that we have and bring that together into a single platform so you can draw insight from it. And then secondarily, be able to not overdo it to a point where we can't make decisions, act quickly and move fast, which is the hallmark of good marketers. And I think you probably see that, Dave, in terms of how you're helping a lot of your customers think through this. I'm sure you you know, get this question all the time, which is what is that right balance between these two activities? For sure. Let's go into that a little deeper. We got to take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. I'm with Doug Brucher, and we're going to talk about AI and uh, unstructured and structured data and some other things that I know that you will be interested in. But we'll be right back. Have you ever wondered if there's a great book on modern marketing? Well, there is, and it's called Manufacturing Demand. It's written by modern marketing guru David Lewis. It's the number one book on lead generation, and guess what? It's yours for free today as a demand gen radio listener. In the book, David teaches you how to create your demand factory, how to align sales and marketing, how to set up your demand funnel, and he provides you blueprints of the best practices for lead scoring, lead nurturing, and marketing analytics. Plus, the book Manufacturing Demand gives you plenty of actionable tips and recommendations, as well as real-world case studies for how leading companies like yours are achieving tremendous results applying these principles. To Demand Gen Radio listener, you can download a free copy today, manufacturingdemand.com forward slash VIP. Don't wait. Grab your copy today. Just go to manufacturingdemand.com forward slash VIP. Or you can pick up a hard copy, amazon.com or other fine booksellers by searching for the book, Manufacturing Demand. Have you ever felt that you're not getting the most out of your marketing automation system? Well, you're not alone. But there is an answer, an award-winning agency called DemandGen that can not only get your team out of batch and blast mode, but turn your team into high-performance marketers that drive more revenue and have the kind of results you're looking for. They also have a marketing dashboard to show it. Experts in Marketo, Eloqua, Salesforce, and dozens of other top marketing technology the folks at DemandGen have helped hundreds of the top marketing teams around the country, and they can do the same for you. So stop feeling stressed. Check out their services at DemandGen.com, just like it sounds, DemandGen.com. And while you're there, be sure and visit their resource section, which is chock full of videos, free templates, and downloadable guides, all of which will help you be a better marketer. If you need a team that will get you to the next level, there's one waiting they're just a click away. DemandGen.com. And now back to David and his guest. All right, welcome back. Doug, let's talk about Google. I'm blown away. You know, this is like a you know incredibly successful company and billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars on ad revenue. Why mm-hmm. is Google so successful with AdWords? Clearly, Google has an incredibly incredible property, right? And so let's, there's no denying that. Obviously, all the search and the amount of coverage it gets through, you know, everyone coming in, sort of putting search queries into Google, 
drives it anyway being super successful but i think it also has the benefit of a couple of things right one is that most of us marketeers have always measured things from a last touch attribution perspective and so typically the last place that people go is you know they're going to type something into google when they actually go and fill out a form or something mm -hmm. and so it gets a lot of credit for that maybe more credit than is actually due and related to that, in fact, we, you know, both Salesforce and Skype, and I've worked with a number of other people on this, we've always done that test whereby you've t tried turning off AdWords and seeing how organic performs, especially branded keywords, which is where most people are spending most of their marketing dollars, to be honest. And I've found fairly consistently that actually most of the traffic you're getting is just cannibalization. However, the ability for an organization really just to look at that direct measurement and say, okay, so I'm going to turn off buying branded key terms is something that most organizations don't choose to do. And so I think this is a really interesting topic and it plays very much back to that, you know, let's make sure that we don't believe analytics are the answer to everything or you can analyze everything that you want, even in such a measured term, but actually that we have to think about that in the decision that we're making. And as always, as great marketeers, sort of subjective views that add on to the analytics as well. So, you know, all hats off to them for what they do, being so close to, you know, that fantastic word of intent. But I think they've been also very lucky in the way that a lot of people have measured things over the time. It is. It's pretty incredible. I mean, when you think of the click stream, right, and that, you know, I, I watch my mom use her computer. She rarely, if ever, types www something in the URL bar, in the address bar, but she will go to Google yep. and type it. In most cases, click on the person's ad of where she wanted to go in the first place, which is just costing them for the click. But as you said, like if that's the behavior that Google has created, that you go to Google to arrive at your destination, whether it's a URL or the name of a company, and then you land on that site and you're cookied and you submit a form, whether it's a contact us form or download, and Google gets the attribution, like you said, from a last touch perspective, they look like a great lead and revenue generation source. So it perpetuates and in many ways, marketers use it to validate the money that they're spending on Google. And in a world where landing in the inbox is getting tougher and tougher uh, and we want to have you know inbound marketing and leverage search marketing. Um, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you create the stream of how people get to you and then put ads along the way, incredible, incredible business. When uh, I talked about in the beginning, when I first met Amnon and the team, and Amnon was telling me about his background in the uh, Israeli military and how the skills he had in dealing with unstructured data to find terrorists and such, it was fascinating to me. And it was, it was a great learning experience to hear how those skills of taking unstructured data could be used for finding your next prospect. What are your thoughts, you know, coming in as a CEO of the company in terms of that being part of your secret sauce and the intelligence and AI capabilities of predictive? Is LeadSpace doing everything that you set out to do already? Or what are your thoughts in terms of where you guys are going next? Gosh, I wish we were doing everything, but clearly we're on a journey. But I think we've made amazing progress on this journey. You know, I was inspired when I came to join LeadSpace as well three years ago by exactly that. The technology, you know, as you know, LeadSpace was founded out of the Israeli NSA. And what's interesting about the problem of finding terrorists, let's say, is if you're in a room of a thousand people, 
In a B2C kind of analogy, you want to know a little bit more about everyone. In a B2B context, you want to know who are the 10 guys that you really care about. Terrorism is no different. You actually need to make sure you figure out who are the really 10 people who may pose problems and that you don't miss anyone. It's mm -hmm. a very different sort of analytics problem. And I think there's more, and you know, obviously the company was founded on taking some of the great IP and intelligence that was built out of that, but it's very similar to, um, you know, many other use cases I see of AI today, which is people talk sometimes about the general AI problem, right? You know, this is what's characterized in all the movies when you see her and uh, ex machina and things where, you know, you have these intelligence machines that act like people and can solve general problems. But most of the successful deployment of AI today is done on specific problems, right? So that is a specific issue. You need to have a strong understanding of the data as well as a strong understanding of the analytics. If you think about a Tesla, you know, a Tesla isn't trying to, you know, cook your dinner for you as well as drive you down the road. It's a piece of AI combined with a strong data set that really helps you achieve one goal, which is get your car from A to B without crashing it, we hope, or at least according to Elon Musk, so he says. Right. And so, you know, this is a combination of a really good understanding of the data and a really good understanding of the software that sits on top of it together to solve a problem. And, you know, which is worth more, the data or the way that interpret that data, who knows, mm. but they come together. At LeadSpace, you know, we, we, we come with a very similar solution, if you will, which is we're trying to solve a simple problem with AI. Let's help figure out who your best customers are and let's then make sure you know the right sets of information about them so you can engage with them in more meaningful ways, which drive better results for your customers because they're happier and better results for the business because you drive higher conversion rates through a lot of different metrics. And to do that, you have to have the right data combined with the right analytics. It won't solve different AI problems like customer retention modeling. It won't solve different problems like which service person should I send out to solve this service query but it's very focused on that problem. And we think that's why, you know, the kinds of customers that we have, which I'm sure we'll get on and talk a little bit about in some of those results, are seeing real results from how they deploy AI, which is, as marketeers, we know we don't have that long to show results. So we've actually got to deliver tangible things in the near term and then grow back to your earlier point and develop that roadmap over time. So we're pretty excited about this, but we're definitely maybe step two now or step three, but this is a journey of really transformation, I think, for the whole of marketing, especially B2B marketing. It's exciting. And, you know, the AI is a big topic. I think you bring up some really great points I want to hit back on, which is there can be really purpose-built AI, like you talk about Tesla. Uh, Siri and voice recognition is another purpose-built form of AI. And what's nice about a lot of the AI that's available today, it's just that. It's available. It's actually open mm -hmm. source or available in SDKs from Amazon, from Apple, from other companies. So now we're starting to see an exponential effect, right, in how applications are getting, quote, smarter because they're incorporating tried and trusted AI modules. And so um, we're going to see just applications and devices accelerate, come to market faster with AI capabilities built into it because the core components are getting created. You know, your AI, your expertise, right, LeadSpace is in finding your next buyer and helping to, you know, identify and, and create lookalikes. We've been piloting, as you know, as one of your partners and as customers, I mentioned your audience building um, tool, which is a new fascinating approach to sourcing. And I'm, I'm curious 
when you guys you know fully come to market with that how does Sirius's new demand unit waterfall and the the concept of of building targeting going to play into your your marketing message or or how are you planning to bring it to market since it's it's quite a bit different than what people have been used to absolutely and and hopefully Dave more than just our marketing message but actually how people do things but the person who said it best was one of our joint customers actually um so Eric Lewis over at uh, Ring Central, right? Who you know we work with him, and and he described this transformation a little bit, you know, and what we see with Sirius as going from trawling to fly fishing. So you know, traditional content marketing, even some of the Google stuff we're talking about was like throwing a net over the back of the boat, getting a load of fish out of the sea. That's your on, inbound and your content, and then just figuring out if there's a nice fish in there, which is lead scoring. Don't get me wrong, we have great analytics that help you find the right fish out of that sea in a very efficient way, yep. which ones taste well. But if you could fly fish, if you could say, look, I want to get a trout and I know it lives in this river and I know that on this day it's going to be eating this kind of thing and I'm going to go and catch that exact fish, that's a transformation. That's a transformation towards what people sometimes call account-based marketing or outbound marketing or really what Sirius I think is showing very well is this demand unit waterfall where you start with an understanding of the total market, the total addressable market, and then you score that total market so that you can actually figure out which are the high propensity accounts and individuals around persona scores and so forth. And then you can identify those people and then you can go and reach them through sales, through calling or through email, and increasingly actually through advertising as well. And it's only through actually this new technology, Leadspace, we do this, right? And this is this audience discovery product we use the ability to gather a ton of different information, all these external data sets and the modeling on top of it, to be able to flip that funnel, to be able to start from that total addressable market and work down. And I think with our customers, you know, with the likes of, you know, a Microsoft or a Marketo, uh, Oracle, as we said, Ring Central, what we're seeing is that ability to start thinking much more about who's my audience and then give them the right message versus the other way around, do a fairly generic message and hope somebody comes in. So I think this is a transformation that most marketeers are trying to flip to, and it's also going to drive the effectiveness of ads. So it's a hard journey, and you know, obviously you know, most people don't go on that journey themselves. They want to work with a partner who can help shape that direction, and I think that's you know, when we work together with customers, your ability to set that strategy and the direction and help them go through that transformation using a technology platform like Leadspace. I think that's when the magic really occurs and we see these big transformative but hugely valuable projects come out. For sure. I mean, the technology is only as powerful as, as the recipes of what to do with it and the people who are doing it for you. It's It's been fascinating. Um, I'm sure you feel as a CEO, you know, like for me to look at our company now 10 years later and see where we started, which was primarily helping people with marketing automation and today helping guide, you know, marketing leaders and working alongside their teams on the use and adoption of marketing technology to, to drive growth and, and just having a broad set of tools that we help our clients with and a, and a, a even larger set of methodologies. It's, it's, it's fun, fun to watch and it's getting more complex, which makes it exciting for us, but it also makes it daunting for, for marketers. Doug, thanks so much for joining me today. I look forward to seeing you 
uh, I think we're going to get together in a week or so. And I'm actually with Eric Lewis this week. He and I are going over to Scott McNeely's house with a bunch of marketing leaders around the Bay Area. He's invited us over for a bit of a powwow at his uh, estate in West Palo Alto. So I'm looking forward to that, and I'll see Eric and talk about how we were talking about them. But uh, thank you so much. And for those of you tuning in to Demand Gen Radio, thank you once again for listening. Please continue to share Demand Gen Radio to your peers and your colleagues on LinkedIn or wherever it is that you're socializing these days. It's been phenomenal to see our listening ship just grow and grow and grow, but I can always use your help spreading the word. And if there's someone or something that you would like me to cover, just drop me a note, either on LinkedIn or email, what have you. But Doug, thank you. My best to you and the team. Look forward to seeing you next week. And for all of you, have a great day. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing. 